Hi, welcome to Suplex of Sticks, a gaming podcast hosted by David and Seth. Hello! And Forrest. Howdy, partners. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm surprised I remembered how to do that. I know, we, uh, <laughs> we finally escaped from that bunker and we're able to record again. I yeah, know, that's amazing. I, I hadn't seen the light of day in three weeks. I have a child now. Yeah, <laughs> I went in the bunker without one and... I came out and it, it it lives. But honestly, I hope that guy that trapped us, he, he, he I hope he's doing fine. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't yeah. so bad. Because I don't want to nice repeat the cycle of, of violence, the... you know. I don't right. want to trap him in a bunker. <laughs> I just want the best for him, you know. Yes, yes. Oh, buddy. Outside of the, and I, I mean, outside of like the flaying of our skin, it really wasn't all that bad. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I at least he like let me have my switch down there, so I could right. We got to play, play games. Bayonetta two. Yeah. Um, so it's it's you know we're doing good. Um, so we are going to this episode is going to be a little. I'm sure there's already going to be manic energy because we haven't recorded in a while. <laughs> but also, um, you know, we've done a lot of things in the last. Uh, it is actually going. It's has been a month because uh, yep. my son is a month old tomorrow. So it's legitimately been an entire month. Um, so we appreciate yep. the, the patience uh, that you have extended to us. Um, some of you have reached out and asked us when a new episode is coming. It, it's, it's here. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you listen and care. Um, but let's let's talk about games. Um, and it was not for lack of trying, by the way. No, there no, were, no. You, you did make attempts. <laughs> to record and it was just not feasible yeah uh finding figuring out a new schedule around the new status of life that i'm in is um uh it's it's working but it is uh you know it's, you had to it's, you had to figure it out yeah. yeah um so i'm actually excited to see how this schedule works because we're gonna we're we're also it's probably gonna be a little punchier because we're recording way earlier in the, the right. afternoon than uh, it was usual. like it was still kind of light out here but when I got on the call, <laughs> yeah. which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, I finished The Last of Us. I did that actually. I was going to talk which about which one? That. The, the first of one? us, buddy. Okay. So not the whole, uh, not the whole saga. Right. Um, <laughs> I finished The Last of Us Part One. If we want to uh, extend it that way. Um. Yeah, I I don't know how much more eloquently I can talk about that game. I think it is a fantastic video game. And I think that Ellie is a fantastic character. And I think that Joel is a lump of human garbage that is terrible. (laughs) Um, I've had a lot of time to stew on this (laughs) since I beat it. Yeah, that's true. uh, Which is... Terrible. And you really, you haven't, and, and your opinion of Joel has not changed in all that time. No, is it fact, worse? If anything, it's grown worse. Good. Um, you know, I, um, I wonder how later fatherhood is going to affect my feelings on things. Uh, but like, I don't think it's going to fix this because, uh, because, um, you know what? It's fine. The Last of Us is spoilable because it's been out for over a decade. Yeah, I don't care. Um, as a human being that understands someone's wishes and you know, the effect that something will have on this planet 
and you know that it will save a mass amount of people or prevent a mass amount of people from dying and that person wants to do it, you respect their wishes, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) And on top of that, regardless of how much you love them, and I'm putting air quotes around the word love, uh, then you lie to them about the people that they were going to help. Um, it's astounding. Uh, a, I, I want to note, nowhere in any of Troy Baker's performance did I feel like he loves Ellie. <laughs> I think he loves his daughter a lot, and he decides to associate his daughter with Ellie, but I don't think that's the same thing as loving Ellie. Uh, because if you love someone, you wouldn't take away their ability of choice like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, really, I, I think playing that game was, I thought the gameplay was great. Um, I think the accessibility options I had, or I chose helped make the game better for me. Uh, and I still enjoyed it. I think I played it on the let one less than normal. Um, I think the, one of my favorite sections of the video game was the the ending section in the resort town um where you you meet the cannibals um is that right Seth that's the they're cannibals right honestly i have n- i have no recollection of this part it's it's where uh Ellie is kind of on her own cuz Joel had got some rebar through the chest Oh right, yeah, the, the um, brief period where you play as Ellie in the in the winter. Yes. Snowed in um, area, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were probably I think they were cannibals for sure. I think that's my favorite part of the game. Um and that's also because you got to see a lot of Ellie on her own with agency and making choices and doing things. Um But yeah, I think it's, they, that 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 part does it. I think it a lot of what works is that like you do kind of going through the game build up this feeling of being powerful, like with Joel. And then mm-hmm. when yes. when he's ripped away and all of your gear is gone and it, it puts you right back in the oh god, that's and, and you're not just dealing with the the zombies at that point, you're dealing with other people right. who are who are after you. And and so it, it, it really it's it's fun in, in the way that it takes you from um, powerful to really vulnerable, just right. kinda out of nowhere. And it, it feels good, uh, especially because a lot of the game sets you up to feel wh- while you have had tools and abilities taken away from you. Um, it The game has taught you well enough in gameplay how to handle these situations. Um, and to where it was even not like difficult, but it was, I had to think a lot more, um, on the lower difficulty. So that Mm -hmm. was kind of nice. Um, it really, it's a, the standout moment of that game, in my opinion. Um, I know that a lot of people talk about like the school and stuff like that, but the, that snowed in town was my favorite section. Um, even if I thought the weird like boss fight in the burning down restaurant was kind of lackluster, um, the, the rest of it was really good. Um, but I also think it's difficult in these games where you have humans fighting humans for there to be a 
uh, a very good boss fight. Like, because you know how vulnerable. So I yeah, I right. don't think this guy is going to survive 15 shotgun rounds to the chest. Yeah. Like It's it's um, easy when, when there are big <clears throat> masses of, like the, like the Rat King in Last of Us 2, where yeah. it's just or on a some... huge giant zombie that ate bullets. But yeah, when when you're or up on some against like G virus stuff like a Resident Evil boss, right? But when you're right. up against just another mortal human, uh, yeah, they they have to it, it often has to be a lot of set dressing in order to put you in danger and then like prevent you from doing damage to them because, right. like everyone in this vi- in those video games can probably take more of a beating than any normal human would, but who knows. You know, they're probably all hopped up on adrenaline the whole time. But <laughs> at, at some point, it it you you would you would lose the sense of realism if you're just pumping bullets into a guy into a regular person and he's not dying. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my take on Last of Us Two or Last of Us Part One. I have no interest in playing Last of Us Part Two. I'm rescinding that a hundred percent. I can't do no, it. No, you have There's to not do even it to see Joel get his comeuppance. You have to do it. I I would maybe play it and stop there. Like <laughs> be like, good. Game's over. Cool. Nice. Uh, <laughs> he said, "What a good ending." Yeah, this Abby seems like she's got a good head on her shoulders. <laughs> And Joel doesn't anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, it's yeah, it's um, all kind it's of tough. all over the place yeah. for him. Um, I mean, I might, I might. We'll see. It depends on how like miserable I want to make myself. It's a good game. <sighs> I'm sure. On some level, I'm sure that playing it is great because yeah. just like playing, La- I think the gameplay well, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think that. Um. I mean, granted, I had to turn on accessibility options to make the shooting better because it's Naughty Dog. Yeah. But I think the rest of it is real, really, really, really good. Um, and it was very pretty. Um, <clears throat> I still don't know if it needed this facelift or remake, in my opinion. But it's, you know, I I enjoyed it mostly. I th- I'm not going to certify the dang thing. I do think that people should play it, but I like, there's a lot of asterisks there. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause it, maybe if you, if you want to maybe get the cheaper version, that's only a slightly less pretty. Yeah. Cause it, cause it also like, I want to note that <clears throat> I do not live in an echo chamber either. A lot of my friends disagree with me on this game. A lot of my friends think that I am wrong in my feelings about Joel, and that's fine. That doesn't change that. Hey, I I, I, I like Joel. <laughs> I, I I I empathize with him. I, what? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see it. Um, I think it sucks that his daughter died, but taking away the agency and choice from someone like that, I just don't like it. It's it's dirty. It doesn't mm. feel right. But is that not what parents do? I mean, I hope I wouldn't. That's, um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess in some instances they do, possibly. Um, but I hope I wouldn't. Because I know that now we're, we could really get it. But like, yeah. I, <laughs> I was left to make a lot of my own choices as a kid. 
So that so, so maybe that's why you you know uh you, you don't you don't want you like you you understand the other side of it and you think that the kid should be able to make their own choice in that situation. But I I also hesitate. I think that Ellie is a kid, but I don't think she's a kid. I think that she has gone through enough in the world that they are in that she yeah, knows. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's she, definitely hard to compare life experiences <clears throat> with us in the regular world between someone who's grown up post zombie apocalypse. I've right. I've also always been under the impression that most people think what Joel does at the end of one is messed up. Like yeah, I don't know I if anyone sees him wrong. as a hero. No, right. A lot I, of it's, people it's see him really? as really yes. how have I avoided that for a decade Be, then? You have different friends. That, well, that's I fine. Think, I think some people are able to like you can say it's it's you can say easily that what he does is morally reprehensible, but also at the same time understand uh the reason why he did that. And even and even empathize with the, his point of view in doing that. I understand why he did it. I don't empathize with it. Yeah. I had to kill doctors that could have changed the world. That's but you know. at, but at least Ellie's alive. Yeah, it's it's the same. Also, you know what? It's and I understand it might just be a me thing. It's why, and we don't need to get into a film corner. I don't love the movie Saving Private Ryan. Because in no way, in my opinion, is one life worth like 15 people like there. I understand the 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 honor of them volunteering, but like that, I I am never uh, the one dude uh, to do what he wants to s- kill 20 people to fix, save the one person. Uh, I don't understand it. Don't I don't have that in my brain. Yeah. Um and that I don't know, maybe I'm just built different. <laughs> but uh, oh, uh, Lord. uh that also makes it sound like I'm a huge martyr, but I, <laughs> I swear I'm not. I'm pretty selfish in a lot of ways. I know my problems, but uh those storylines never resonate with me because I like to think that I would make the logical decision to better humanity in those cases. Um and really, it just this, this game bums me out. I talked about this last episode a whole month ago. Yeah, but it bums me out because I want to know um, what happened to this man that believes in this aggressive, um, overwhelming love for someone to save them despite the rest of the world. And it what happened, and why did they decide to make the second half of this? Uh, and I guess I need to see the second half to see some of the things that Seth has mentioned. But it, um, yeah, <clears throat> it's weird. But that's, everyone wanted me to play Last of Us so that I could <laughs> finally have my complete <laughs> yeah. feelings on it. And You did it. I did and it. And now you do. I, and I, you know, I don't Aren't regret Aren't you so it. much better for it? I don't know if I'm better for it. Uh, <laughs> You're better than Joel. I think that Sony has seventy dollars more <laughs> from it. They're better for it. That's true. They are. They are better. Um, I don't know if I'm better than Joel, but I do feel like I can make better decisions than him. <laughs> um, hey, you're better than those doctors because they're dead. Well, <laughs> sure. You. Yeah. 
Um, so not let's... better than those giraffes, right? Oh, those giraffes were so cute, though. Yeah, that was a genuine highlight of the game. Seeing giraffes. Yeah, um, I bet it'll. I wonder if it'll come across the same in the show. So that's my other thing. They are not playing Pedro Pascal the way that Joel is in this game. No, no, you can't, I don't. The think thing so, is, you yeah. can't zero, hate Pedro Pascal. Zero percent chance this is going to be a Joel I actually like. Yeah, and so I think yeah, for sure. I I really think that I'm going to love the show because <laughs> you're not going to you you cannot cast Pedro in that light. Yeah, it's it's going to get to the end, and then when he goes in there and mows down all those doctors to say, Bailey, you're going to be like, heck yeah. Go get him, Joel. <laughs> Which sucks. I don't want to. But, like, I also don't know how much they're going to do that in the... I mean, they're going yeah. to. Yeah. They have to. They'll, they'll definitely have to, like, highlight the the more monstrous things that, that Joel does. If, if yeah. they really want to make him appear uh, like a complex person. I actually... Opposite. I think they're just going to make the fireflies monstrous, so it makes Joel heroic. Um, right. I mean that. Yeah. That's that. That seems more likely. But because yeah. because I think it's it's because a lot. That's less, also what it's some a lot less Joel work. Is already. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it would take a lot more work for them to present Joel the way he is in the game in the show with Pedro Pascal than yeah. than it would be to make the uh, the fire. But that's. But I wonder how far out they're thinking, because, like, I don't imagine, you know, this is all assuming that the show even does the full story by the end of one season. (sighs) Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder how long they can stretch it. Right. Because there are, like, distinct acts in the game that you could stretch out into, like, season-long arcs. Um, I think after three episodes of the show, we'll know if they're finishing it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll be able to tell. Um, I, w- I mean, I would imagine we'll get a lot more of like them in Boston and just seeing what that ugh. world is like. Ugh, which that is part drags so long. Seeing yeah, what the world of the, Boston is like, but it might be better to watch than it is to play. Yeah, you're right. Um, because you're not actually making the character walk slowly through these checkpoints and interacting with people. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know. But but like I what I what I was going to say is the the other side of making the fireflies into these horrible people would be if they do have plans to extend into the second the second game which focuses a lot on the fireflies and it would be um I don't know. I just wonder if they're planning on being like, okay, we we still want to have these characters and not make them appear totally as as horrible people, uh, right? So we want. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, I also played Bayonetta two, uh, and I beat it. It's great. Yeah, Suplex certified. Go play that game. I'm halfway through Holy it. Crap. I can agree on that one. It's amazing. I, um, you know, it's, it's Bayonetta one, but better, um, in every single way. I don't know if that's true. There As was, someone who just played one. Yes. Well, yeah, but I've <laughs> played one and I think that one has a bit more of the devil may cry one flare that slash devil may cry three flare that I 
really enjoyed. Um, I can give that. Bayonetta 2 is different but great in its own way. It, it's solidifying itself more as its own thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's like David S. Pumpkins. It's the, it's, its own mm. thing. Um, and, <laughs> uh, like, oh, really, it, uh, I, it's just special. The, the different weapons and um, the combinations and being able to equip different weapons to your feet yeah. and to your uh, hands. Um, my, my one biggest gripe is that the economy and everything is so expensive. You feel yes. like you don't get to unlock anything. I spent um, an hour and a half today trying to farm halos just so I could get one item. Yeah, and I I just refuse to interact with the game in that way. That's I, fair. The the thing is, so it's the item that allows you to parry or block attacks, and in that item was also in one. I did not get that item until like right at the end of like end of mid game, beginning of end game. Right. And going into two, I was like, I like this is an essential part of how I play the game. I do not want to wait another eight hours to get around to this. Uh, so I mean, the game is only like nine hours as is. So I struggled a lot with one. So okay. I'm, I'm going off of my one time was hard one. Cause one cause was he a, didn't, it's cause he didn't have that parry. Well, yeah. Bayonetta one was a more difficult game. I would say an unbalanced and unfair in a lot of cases. Yes. Game. Um, it was extremely difficult compared to Bayonetta 2. Yeah. And I played Bayonetta 2 on normal. Um, thinking, oh, God, I'm not going to put it on hard because of how hard Bayonetta 1 was. Yeah. And I probably should have put it to hard because I... It's I, kind of a I know those on games. normal. I know those games. Yeah. So, like, it's that's my bread and butter. Um, so, it's... You know, I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I could go back and play it on hard because I own it digitally. Um, which is about the only way you can get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I tried so, finding a physical for two. The crap is too expensive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's fantastic. I don't think it's deep enough to really... I think the story is nonsensical. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think is slightly frustrating because I did want a little bit of story to chew on, but they didn't really give it to me. Um, one had a better story and it was more coherent. Um, I almost feel the opposite. No, because one was about you taking care of the girl and trying to fight God. And two is about you run into this little boy who has magical cards. That's never explained. Then you meet your dad and Again. then you meet your mom and you then you fight God. But it's not really like it really has. It's way bouncier. I um, I think ones is too basic. To that, there's not okay. There's but not basic is better it. than incoherent. That's fair. <laughs> like like the, if a story goes from A to B, that's better than playing a game that bounces harder than Kingdom Hearts half the time. <laughs> uh, so it, I would rather have a simple A to B story than one that goes in eighteen different directions and doesn't actually dwell on anything long enough to mean anything um aside from a couple quick quips that are like ooh you're cool that's it 
So that's what you get. That's the overall problem that I'm finding with the writing is that is that's bad. Yes. Uh, The stories are bad and the writing is bad, but I really enjoy the interactions. Yeah. Yeah. They're all very cool. Yeah. And and that's cool. That's where a lot of my joy comes in from it. But anything pertaining to explaining why we are doing what we're doing and why we are where we are in the levels. Zero point. Zero sense. Yeah. Zero sense. Yeah. Like to the point where I, like I zone out during cutscenes. Everyone complains about Kingdom Hearts being incoherent. No, it is complex. I, it's complex. <laughs> this is genuinely um nonsensical. Yeah. Uh, right, but no one's going to Bayonetta for the story. Right, exactly. You yeah. go for um But that's the thing. You other, go for it to look cool. Other games in the genre though have better stories yes. even from the same development team yeah you know so but they're they're just going for vibes yeah that's what bayonetta wants um the vibes are immaculate and the vibes are immaculate um it's a fantastic game it controls really well it's so smooth and it looks beautiful they the the port to the switch from the wii u was amazing and yeah. did wonders for that game i'm sure because i didn't play it on wii u um it's weird. You can control the whole game in touch screen mode. I didn't experiment with it. Me but, neither. It, um, it seems like sacrilege yeah, to how we normally you, play these. You can do it. Uh, I don't know what it's like. I did, I did not want to experiment with it. I refuse to. Yeah, it seemed forbidden. Uh, <laughs> uh, every time I'd accidentally touch the screen and it would switch me to the touch screen controls, I'm no. like, hurry, push a button. There's an yes. option in the settings to just be like completely like no for it. So yeah. I did that. I didn't bother. Um, I was playing really the best part about Bayonetta 2 is that it comprises of 16 missions, I think. Um, and the missions last maybe 15 to 30 minutes long, each yeah. of them. And in that time, I could put my son down to sleep and play a mission and then he would get fussy i could pick him up let him get him settled back down put him down and then play another mission so i was able to ingest it in uh actually by the game's design set set points um and not feel like oh i'm pausing the game in the middle of something blah blah like having that set structure really helped me play through the game and feel like I was doing it as intended. Yeah. Um, games are not built like that today. So, uh, they're built least, different as you would say. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, just hoping three, uh, <clears throat> is a little more like that than, it, and if it's not, it's fine. Um, cause I, the main reason I also played two is cause three finally hooked me with one of its trailers. Mm. Um, one of its trailers finally got me, um, the V character, Viola, Viola. Yeah. It's just a devil may cry character. She's I'm and positive I'm, that she's just going to be a Nero type and I'm <laughs> um, so excited yeah. for it. And I, I'm excited to see that character and what they do. Um, and so that character basically was like, yep, I'm playing Bayonetta three now. Yeah. Um, so, and Bayonetta two is worth it. I'm glad. Cause if you go back and listen, um, I beat Bayonetta 1 back when the Bayonetta 2 physical came out because my goal mm. was to play both of them back to back. And I hated it. I hated Bayonetta 2 because it controls so differently oh, and it's different. Okay. I was like, this is, I bounced hard off of it. And I was like, I'm trading it in. I, 
I liked Bayonetta 1 a lot, and then this isn't for me. And so the whole reason I started Bayonetta 2 was because I was like, 3 is coming out, and I, I want to at least see what happened, and um, I'm interested. And so I got it and started playing it, and I had a save that was two hours into the game. I was like three missions in, <laughs> um, but I just did not. Yeah, I didn't like it. And uh, you can go back and listen and hear me say that, because I said it on the show. Um, but I have changed my tune. I that, really enjoy it. That's actually really funny to me because I doing the same thing now where I'm doing back to back. And I think two's edition of um, the like the Umbrian Climax, like almost devil trigger type mechanic elevates two to be a much more enjoyable experience or, or at least less frustrating for me. I feel like that is wasn't that in Bayonetta one. No, it was not. Oh, the, that DT like mechanic, not there. Oh, I thought it was. And so the problem that one has a lot is that you will go through a bunch of stupid, difficult enemies, even on normal difficulty and your health will be whittled down. So by the time you get to the next group, you'll probably end up dying unless if you are super on point with yeah. your dodging and all that jazz. So then you'll have to continue. And then that that penalizes you at the end of the mission. It's just a cycle of that over and over again. And Bayo 2 is just a lot more balanced, but almost maybe a little too far in the, in the other direction for both of their equivalent normal modes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, let's see. Seth, what did you play? Well, I finished Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, how, so wait, how long did it take you? Because when we talked about it I last. I need to know. Um, well, when we talked about it last, I didn't tell you on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. But you were two missions away from beating the game. How long did those two missions Oh, well, they take? were. I mean, there were more chap. There were chapters. Right, um, two chapters. And, like, they were pretty expansive. Uh, let me... Where do I go to look at this? Uh, I guess I could just open the game. No, I don't want to update it. Um, I don't know. How many hours in was I in the, the last one? Um, I don't quite remember. Uh, hold on. I am, I am just pulling it up on my page. Uh, let's see. Well, my play activity says I played for 150 hours or more. So that's gonna take me a that's gonna take me a hot minute, long time. Yeah, and certainly I I I'm pretty sure I did every quest in the game. Um, I definitely didn't. Uh. I, I left very few stones unturned, I believe. Um, so there's, I don't know, there, like there's definitely optional stuff that you can do that you don't have to do um, to get through the story. Um, but I wanted to do all of them because, like the all the different side missions are where like the characters are developed. Um, not like the main characters, but some them too. But the characters you meet along the way, they. You find a lot of um, 
uh, deepening of their personalities and getting to know them. So it was like once I got sort of started on some of these quest lines, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just give them up because um, there's, I think the characters in this game are super like I, I they're probably the strongest set of the strongest cast that Monolith has put in one of these games. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a part of that is the way the world is presented um, because like going back to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it was super like over-the-top anime, um, like in the way the characters were designed and acted, uh, and intentionally so. So it there was this kind of level of unreality there mm-hmm. um, that I think in sort of bridging the gap between the the two styles of characters from one and two, they landed in a, in a place that allowed for them to develop, to develop um, a lot stronger characters, especially with the, the main party. Um, Yeah. But unfortunately that the, the kind of the flip side of that is I think the, the actual villains in this are probably the weakest of the, 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 the three games. Um, just because for the majority, like the majority of them are people in masks, basically like, you know, they, they wear suits of armor and full like headgear. So they don't really look like people. Uh, and the, the, the group there's, it's, it's instead of it just being like, they were groups sort of in one and two, um, but the characters had such outsized personalities, and they consistently showed up together. Whereas in this one, they're, the group of enemies is is so large. While there are like a few, a few who show up multiple times that that have more time put into them, um, and more story put into them. They mm-hmm. they're just like I don't know. They're they 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 lack the the character of of in previous games. Um, and I think they're, the designs are also kind of boring just because they all have the exact same design. Like, it was cool the first one you meet and then he turned into this huge monster. And I'm like, all right, okay. Um, but, I don't know. And then it, it also stretches from the fact that the the enemies are... Their, their motivations are sort of weird. Um... And and it's kind of uh, hard to untangle, uh, and that's what that's a lot of what the story is about. It's figuring out who these villains are and why they're doing this. Whereas, um, and two, it was it was a pretty straightforward uh, story of these people wanting revenge on society who who wronged them, um, and then one, it was you know it was just. They were the evil giant robots who were eating people, and then you were fighting God, who was crazy. Right. So it's it's yeah, they're in it, it. So it's sort of the in creating, I guess, less one note enemies, like the same thing. The strength, the the same thing that made the main characters more better, uh, uh, more better. That made the characters uh, more enjoyable because they were a bit more complex um it it sort of had the 
it was a double-edged sword in, in doing it with the enemies uh, because it made them a bit less understandable and uh, less hateable, I guess. Uh, although they, they certainly do their fair share of horrible um, brutality in the game. Um, yeah, I so I, I really enjoyed the game. It was... When I, I I posted in the Discord when I finished, and I said it was an interesting journey, um, <laughs> because you did it, say and, that, yeah, it was. I th- and I think my thoughts on it immediately after I finished like have evolved a bit, um, because it's a very bittersweet ending, and it's one that apparently a lot of people have argued about and said that it's not a happy ending at all. Um, and that depends on like what you, you know, what you expected, I guess. Um, and I think there is, there are moments in the story that sort of, that, that do, um, foreshadow what is about to happen, but they're, they're just these like little small bits that if you don't clock them going, oh, that's actually what's happening. Then when you get to the end, you're going to be like, wait a minute. This isn't what I thought was going to happen here. Um, right. And I think a lot of that is that there's there's kind of a sort of bait and switch going on here that they didn't intentionally do. But I remember um, talking about when they, they first revealed the game. I remember on this podcast talking about how... Um, that the the end of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and how it it feels like it implied that these uh it it that game ends with um the two the worlds of Xenoblade 1 and 2 combining right uh, and then that the assumption was that world is then what um Xenoblade 3 was going to be set on and that's not I, I guess you could say it's a bit like them knowing that that was the expectation and then deciding to do something different. That isn't really what the what is happening here. There's a much more complicated story. And so it was weird going through the game and having to like dis um dismantle that expectation. Um and was I it- think that go ahead. Was it part of the game's narrative in dismantling that expectation? Or was yeah, it just something um, you had to do on your own because that's no, not what I mean, the game the, was delivering? Like I said, um, I think it was last episode I said that uh, that these games, there's always like a third act lore dump that right. explains, okay, this is the way the world was built. And, and, and that is here. So it, like the game does come to a point that sort of explains to you the conception of this world and why things are the way they are. Um, and it's just, it is, it, it, it is different than, um, what I guess, what a lot of expectations were. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and it, but it, I think it, it does do something for some of the, I don't know if they were gripes, but some of the things that I was a bit disappointed in with the game, like I talked about how the 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 places that I was going lack that kind of magnificence or whatever that there were previous locations in the game did. Um 
and I do think that remained true. There was like in one of the final areas um, where you actually get you you can the, this the giant sword that you've been making your way to really is is looming over this, and you can actually see the scale of it compared to the rest of the world. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's that, that's that stuff that I was looking for, right? Um, constantly being aware of being in this gigantic, uh, you know, a small thing, a small like fly on the back of this gigantic, be it, you know, man or fish or whatever. Um, man, fish. Yeah. Uh, it's so, it's sort of strange. Uh, like the, the story does do some of that. Um, and I actually have found, found that like, in watching videos and stuff of the world afterward, there are like when I was playing, I only caught a few of the references to the areas that you were in, like from previous ones. And right. it turns out a lot of the the world that you're in is like not directly copied and pasted, but um, but you can tell that there are distinct parts of the previous two games that were stitched together to make these different areas and they're mm-hmm. um but because i i guess it was just because of the lack of i don't know defining features maybe that it was just something i didn't notice while i was playing and so that sort of left me you know it sort of left me wanting like like i know that this world is these two other worlds so why doesn't anything why why am i not getting that sense of of grandeur yeah. uh, or why seeing stuff that like i it? right uh and and I mean I still do think that there there's a weird thing going on in this game with scale cuz um the world like it has to be a lot bigger than what it is and I you know that happens in practically every JRPG but um there is this like at, at one point you meet someone who talks about how there are uh there's something like 30 different uh, colonies that are supposed to exist in this world that you just do not see, uh, and and it leaves you like, well, where would they be? Just yeah. like physically in this place, it's it there. There are these you know disconnects in the world that is presented uh, visually and the world that is talked about, um, and I think because. Uh, like you could this the same thing happened in the previous two games um and especially in two you could you could kind of bridge that disconnect because of the fact that you were on these gigantic creatures and didn't really ever see all of them that you could easily in your mind be like oh yeah there's whole societies that live here right uh, and you know different jrpgs do different things to kind of masquerade the fact that all of 200 people live in their entire planet uh and you just sort of have to accept okay that we are i am seeing the presentation here is not what it would be in reality um but it, it it's hard to in this game it's sort of hard to hard to sort of bridge that gap i don't know for what reason it was i think that Part of it is that specifically, like each of the not really towns, but the colonies that you go to visit, they really can only hold like you know twenty odd people. Um, mm-hmm. But but then there are times when you go into these areas where like they're 
the birthing tanks are and they're just wall to wall and it's like well where are all these people i don't understand um and you know there again there are some in world explanations but there is this just sort of weird for me when i was playing it this weird tension of this i I feel like i am not seeing the whole picture here um like and i think I I came to this I I've had this thought before that I think a big problem with me for open world games is that at some point the world stops being this gigantic place because you've been everywhere and know like every landmark and then it feels really small and you kind of lose that sense of discovery um and I don't like I don't think it happens in all open world games but I but in the ones that it does you can really uh, I, I I think it really can hinder the experience, and especially like especially I don't know towards if I, like late game too, right? When you spend so much time there, and you still have a yeah. lot left to go. Yeah, and I don't know that I ever felt that in in Xenoblade Two. I of course I in my multiple attempts to play the first one, I never finished. I never finished the game, but I also never, I never really had that feeling there. Um. Except for the one area that was just absolutely horrible to move around in. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's it's weird. Like a lot of the the really unique locations, like I said last time, there that were in two specifically and in one. Like there aren't, even though it's tech, it's supposed to be like you can tell that it's these two worlds put together. Some of the the actual whether it's the way that they are presented in this game or just through their absence. It's just, you know, you kind of... I, I did feel like I was missing it. There's also... The game has a lot... Like, so... Uh, the game is kind of, for much of it, is focused around death. Um, obviously, the two... The, the, kind of, the two characters that the story is kind of focused on, Noah and Mio, are offseers and their job is to send off the the spirits of those of the people who died in battle so like that's their job and so it's only natural that playing the game through like their eyes everything would be sort of through that lens and you know that you're the world is constantly in is fighting each other and and so the game it's just there's a lot of ruminating on on life and death and what one's purpose is and uh so it's it's already i don't there's the it it it's lacking the kind of bombast that was there in Xenoblade 2 that um that sort of lightens the heavier moments and so this game is like that's why i said it was interesting is is because it's a very somber game um even in the uh like the the goofier moments, um, which I think it has a, a lot less of comparatively to the the previous two games, and so it is, you know, it, it it it's it's we're never approaching like Last of Us territory, but it is, you know, it's it's a contemplative game, um, and and so it even I think that does a lot to affecting the sense of grandeur that one might get from the story. And and from the world, um, so I don't know. It's just you know, it's an interesting experience playing the game. Um, 
I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very, uh, like, I don't know that I ever felt it was slogging or anything. Um, uh, the unfortunately the as with the the bosses, the actual last area, like the lead up to the final bosses, it's probably the the most um, dull to get through. Um, yeah. So it, I don't know, like it, it does kind of falter in a way at the end. So I don't know. It was just, it was, it was, it's kind of uneven at parts for me. And again, like with the previous uh, Xenoblade and, and other of these massive JRPGs that I've played and talked about on here, I, it's hard for me to say that it's a hundred percent certified, but it was, um, I I really enjoyed it and and found myself really immersed in the world. Uh, so like if it's if it's your if if that is your type of game, I can um I, I would definitely wholeheartedly um say go play this because I do think it's really good and probably um the best uh design game of the the Xenoblade um trilogy, including uh I, I guess quadrilogy if you want to include X that monolith has has put out um and a lot of interestingly a lot of unanswered questions in the game about like the world and um they've they've already announced they're going to do like a big story dlc as they have done with the other two so um i'm sure that will answer a lot of questions and who knows um but i'm excited for it but yeah that was it's xenoblade 3 was you know, com- complex uh, thoughts on it, I guess. Uh, but I did enjoy it a lot. Good. Yeah, I does it. Um, I'm glad. I feel like uh, I have this like PTSD flashback to every time you've talked about one of these games because I feel like you have landed in this space uh, <laughs> on on almost all of them, and I don't mean that at all in a bad way. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's just. I I think that my thoughts on this one are more complicated because of different reasons. Uh but yeah, it, it in the end it's hard to recommend like a 150 hour game to anyone. Yeah. Um even if it's on the Switch and you can play it on the go. Uh but just but especially with like the previous ones knowing how slow they started. Uh this one's a lot easier for me to recommend because of how quickly I feel like it, it jumps into the action but yeah like i said that it's i i have uh, complex feelings for different reasons other than like gameplay and hours on this one um but yeah it is it it is kind of a theme of me when i talk about these games we're like "Eh, i don't know yeah did you did it ever deliver on the promise of uh combining the the worlds and did it deliver uh in a way that felt satisfying well see that's what i was talking about like um you go in with i went in with certain expectations of what i thought the world was going to be and it turned out all those expectations were not actually the world that was being presented right right yeah yeah yeah. sorry Um, i i thought maybe there was something you were dancing around spoilers wise Um, well, yeah, like I can't, I, 
I could. Uh, no. I don't know how much more I could like say about yeah. the specific reasons, but yeah, it's like okay, you thought at at some point it it they make it clear like this is not what that was. Um, the right, ending okay. that you thought you saw in Xenoblade Two is not what actually happened here. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's that's I I'm sorry I I was listening to you because yeah. I do find these. Right, but yeah, you know, I guess it, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just, I was wondering if I was just trying to get it out of you. But if it, if it does, I don't want to, because it is a hundred fifty hour long game. Right, uh, it's, it's not like me running down the plot beats of Bayonetta two, which yeah. ends up at like eight yeah, or nine yeah. hours. <laughs> you know, uh, I do have a question though. Um, Shoot. so typically with JRPGs, especially. Uh, older ones i'm i'm not too sure about the state of modern ones um grinding is a huge thing and you'll hit like progress barriers essentially of where you are definitely under leveled for certain events and areas and bosses and fights and stuff did that ever really happen to you with xenoblade 3 or was it fairly paced out or like in the event that that did happen like could you have just done a bunch of side quest stuff and not feel um, like it was really a grind. So I would say it, it, this one actually goes in the other direction, depending on how much stuff you do. Like there was, um, there was a a, ti- a moment where I like had to intentionally stop doing quests uh, and fighting like every monster that I wanted to because I was getting so far ahead of of the like the level curve. I see. Um, Versus where I was, and you like that sort it to of be a cakewalk, right? That's sort of the danger of having this huge open world that you can go. You, I mean, you can go anywhere um, outside of the few the the handful of areas that are sort of uh, blocked by traversal um, abilities that you have to get. But right from the beginning of the game, they're like there's there are enemies that are huge, hugely discrepant. Uh, of your level um i think in the first area if you go around you can find like level 60 enemies uh, and so that's that's like it you know it's like that in the whole the whole of the the game so you can go like at at points start doing quest paths that are maybe a bit out of your level range um but it's not Depending on how how much higher enemies are, it, it it's not super difficult to beat them. Um, like I I I remember I I did the some of the I I beat all the super bosses at the end of the game, and one of them I think was like uh, maybe fifteen or sixteen levels higher than me, and you know it was it was kind of tooth and nail uh but i wasn't as super bosses should be right um and especially once you have gotten the like there's a a a combo a chain attack system um that sort of like pauses the battle and lets all of your characters do these uh, do these attacks uh and the damage can scale really high on those um gotcha even even if you are like i saw i saw a video the other day of a level one team uh beating the highest level uh care- enemy in the game just based on like the like the those special that, mechanics 
Right, the way that damage can scale on those. Jesus. Um, and so it's really, those. that stuff's really easy to exploit to be able to be even higher level enemies. But, um, like, there's also this bonus experience system where doing, like, discovering new areas, defeating specific enemies, and other random tasks, uh, they give you this secondary experience that you can choose to use whenever to level yourself up. Um, so even if you did find yourself underleveled, if you stopped at like a campsite and, and, um, cashed in on some of that, right. Then you, you'd probably jump like five or six levels ahead of the area (gasps) that you're in. So no, there was never, I never really felt like I had to stop what I was doing in the story or whatever, or whatever path I was on in order to go fight enemies. But I was also, especially in the early game, pretty... It was pretty uh, gung-ho about fighting any enemies that aggroed onto me while I was um, running through the fields, just because, like, I enjoyed the battle system so much. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, the, the game has this, the named enemy system that where there are specific, like, versions of enemies that are a lot stronger and have these ridiculous names. Gotcha. You can, so you, so you, you know can, you're getting come into... Across. Yeah. Um, and, and those are... Um, provided liberally, especially throughout like the first two areas that, gotcha, you, can, cool. that you can come along them that uh, will provide you plenty of experience. So no, it was um, as far as the as far as that goes, it, I never really had a problem of coming up against walls that that I found myself unable to um, defeat what was in front of me without having to turn around and go back and do stuff. But like I said, cool. I was I was constantly going off the beaten path and um exploring and doing different side quests and stuff. Like I said, I I did every pretty much every last bit of the optional content. Um so I was <laughs> Just because of the way I, I played, I was never really uh struggling ill ill prepared for yeah, yeah. for the fights that that came in front of me. Cool. Does the does the end of this game or does content in it lead directly into the DLC that's coming that they've promised? Well, I don't know. The so <clears throat> their big story stuff, they they first did it with Xenoblade 2 and that right. was like the one they did for that was a prequel. Um and then when they released Xenoblade 1 Definitive Edition, they did one that was sort of in the how I, I don't know how many years it was set after the end of of Xenoblade One, uh, and so they haven't really said any details about it. So uh, I and this is another thing I watched. Uh, this this is one person on YouTube I follow, Luxon, who is um, who makes videos primarily about the different works that uh, Monolith Soft has created. Um. And you know, there's some interesting stuff there about how, like the the um, the the entire story arc of Xenoblades one through three was sort of based off this story idea they had that was supposed to be um, this six part story from the original Xeno Gears or whatever that they ended up not being able to do. Um, but I don't really know a whole lot about that stuff. But I there was yeah. a video that I watched about his um, speculating what the DLC could be because there's still um you know there's still unfinished 
lore that happens uh, in the world. Because like when you when at the start of this game, you're like, as far as you're as as far as they like tell you, the, the world has been the way it was for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and there are a lot of things that you'll find that reference events in the past and so you know there's there's a lot of potential there for them for you to talk for them to go into you know characters from the past um or it could be after the end of end of the story and seeing how that works um so i don't know it's i'm definitely excited and i i think whatever they do is going to point to whatever the future of the franchise is going to be um, so in that sense, it may be more likely that it'll be set afterward, but I don't know. Cool. All right. Did you, did you play anything else or you want to just hold off on that? <laughs> for- uh, let's see. One thing I, I will talk about is, uh, Shovel Knight Dig came out. Um, it did. Is, I, I saw that. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it. It's kind of taking the Shovel Knight story uh, and turning it into a roguelike. Um, that, but I played it. You know, I really wanted to enjoy it. Um, I really enjoyed the last kind of spinoff they did with um, the Pocket Dungeon. Right. But I don't know. It's just uh, the game has lighted kind of flat for me. That's a bummer. You don't yeah. want to see that. Yeah, you hate to see it. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see that. Yeah. Also, I've been playing a little bit of Grounded, which David, you uh, got mad at me earlier today for doing, <laughs> um, for not I'm playing mad. it with, not playing it cooperatively with you. I will say that I actually started the game after the hurricane hit when I had no internet, so it wasn't like I could play with anyone, uh, and so I was just playing by myself. Um, you know it's weird that I I fa- find myself like a bit compelled to go through this world just because the honey I shrunk the kids thing part about it is cool um but also you know these these crafting games are not really my cup of tea yeah uh, but you know I'm 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 easing myself into finding what's enjoyable about it um I think it's and there, there's enough there's enough there that you don't like a level where you don't need to engage on the deeper parts of it, but um, like it, it is very much a crafting game. So I, I haven't really been able to super get into it, but I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, except for when I come across mosquitoes because they are a pain. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, and, I, and I have not killed one of those giant spiders either. Those things are unstoppable. I've never played it. I really want to. Is it something where even though you've played a lot, I could jump in and play with you or? Yeah, probably. Um, Okay. Okay, Like, I don't know how much of the story I've done. Um, But yeah, like, I don't think my gear is so advanced that uh, you would be even by. Actually, I was playing earlier and I like I have no body armor or anything because I've been attacked so much and haven't been able. I just keep reviving and getting killed by these stupid bugs that I can't go anywhere to upgrade my stuff or fix my stuff, so it's kind of annoying. So yeah, I think we'd we'd probably be on uh on equal pace here if you jumped in. 
Yeah, good. I'm going to, I'll start it up. I have it downloaded, so it's just a matter of you telling me when you're playing. Um, I mean, I'll probably play after we do this, but I'm sure you'll have other things to do. <laughs> I mean, uh, I have to edit, and then maybe I could play, because I, I stay up with my son until 2 a.m., yep. and then I go to sleep. Forrest, uh, you could play, too. It's on Game Pass. Is it four players? Three player, four player? Yeah. Good. So there are cool. like, there are four hmm. kids. So, yeah. Honey, I, I shrunk think, the I think, four kids. Yeah, I think up to four people can play. Um, don't think that we're ignoring Splatoon. We just... Uh, I haven't started it. Yeah, he hasn't started. I haven't started the campaign. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it next week. Um, but um, was there anything else you played, Forrest? Uh, yes, I played a game called The Artful Escape uh, middle of last month before it left Game Pass. Um, wonderful experience. Um, the story is essentially just um, like a guy from a town where like his uncle was like this huge country music star, or, like folk singer, and the entire town is like forcing that expectation onto him when all he really wants to do is just play super rad cosmic rock opera stuff and he essentially gets whisked away to the cosmos to go and do that but he has to he has to kind of become okay with not being what everyone else wants him to be um and it's just a really it's a really well-written experience with a lot of like bits of comedy, but also like Jack Kirby style cosmic writing Mm -hmm. to it. Like they just throw random words at the wall. Um, The, like I can't even, I can't even think of any specific right now, but there's a section in the game where you basically get to come up with the backstory for your rock opera persona. And um, my version of it was that I was the leader of the infinitely loud galactic symphony. And it's just a bunch of cool, fun cosmic stuff like that. Um, The game play itself is just walking side to side. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a side scroller, but there are these sections where you are playing music, um, either following along with another character's um, notes that they're laying down for you, or you are getting to improv a full song on the spot. And when those moments hit, it genuinely like clicked something in me because I've always had problem with improv in my own music playing, but like doing it in this game something in it clicked with me where I was able to really simplify it down. And I got to the point where there were two songs specifically in the game um, where I really felt like I was actually making proper thought out music. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, that was something really cool to have been in this. Yeah, exactly. It was rad. It was so cool. And to have this thing that I've struggled with, in other aspects of my life finally click into place. And it's something that I have not been able to stop thinking about ever since it happened. Yeah. Cause you haven't made actual music anytime in your life. Oh. Until now. 
<laughs> you hurt rude. me. No, I'm just kidding. You, you hurt know, me. You know that I'm kidding. I, I was, know. You know that. Yeah. You, you teed it up. But I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely cut did. Cut down like that. Yeah. <laughs> You I teed it up and he Don't got a hole in one. Don't off of my wall after I, <laughs> I wish that the podcast audience could have seen. I feel more bad after that look. You just, <laughs> I was just like, <sighs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Artful Escape, a great time um, with a really poignant message to it especially if you are a a little younger and haven't figured some things out about yourself yet and coming to terms with who you are compared to what other people want or think you are um it's not on game pass anymore unfortunately but i entirely Mm. recommend it i sorry sorry all you teens who need to Come of age, <laughs> yeah. You have to find that somewhere else, exactly. <laughs> you have to go to the millions of other games, movies, TV shows, and comics about it, and books. Yeah, yeah. But no, I I don't know how much it, it runs for regularly on the shop. I think it may be like fifteen. So it's not a long experience either. But it is a genuinely great time that I would paid that full price tag for i there's not a physical of it unfortunately but um annapurna does have like some pens and like other merch stuff for it but um yeah pens or pins pen they're pins oh, pins okay. <laughs> like like stick them on your backpack. not a writing utensil yeah not a writing utensil unfortunately you know unfortunately yeah. Uh, it'd be cool if they had like a writing utensil that just spat out sick guitar licks uh and somehow projected cool uh sprawling alien vistas in valleys and deserts before your very eyes. Well, I mean you can do that with a regular pen. You just have to draw them <laughs> and write the music. Yeah. But uh, yeah, aside but I from understand that, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's just been Bayo one and two, and the usual Halo grind. Yeah. All right. Um, with that, I'm gonna let us take a brief break, and then we'll come back with some news. The news part won't be that long, probably, but there's gonna be we're, we're gonna talk about some stuff that we want to talk about. Just look forward to some Mario Bros. movie discourse. (laughs) We'll be back with the news. Hi, Big Joe here, and I'm here to tell you to check out Suplex the Sticks on all social media platforms at at Suplex the Sticks. Links for the socials and the invite to our Discord are in the show notes below. Subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're at it, let your friends know about the podcast. It's the best way to help us grow our community. And with that, back to the show. And we're back. All right, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Mario movie trailer. It was a trailer. It was. I think I came away from some parts of it more positively than you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I also think I... I don't normally like 
uh, this animation studio, or at least I don't like their other works. But when I see because of that, hold on, because of the animation quality, or because of the quality of the story, the quality of the story, and that's what I'm getting yeah. to is that I w- when I saw this trailer for the Mario movie, it kind of made me rethink a little bit. Illumination Studios is a good animation studio. I would say they put a lot of style into their work and things move around in a fun, visually interesting way. I think this Mario movie looks looks really freaking great. Yeah, visually for sure. Uh, yeah. The stuff that they showed, like their edition of the Mushroom Kingdom looks really cool. Um, I think Bowser... It, it's it's sort of uncanny the the way that parts of it look directly ripped from the games. Yeah, um, they certainly went out of their way to give Mario a little bit more uh, different of a look, um, which I don't hate. I think it's fine. Uh, it looks a bit like in stills, it looks kind of weird, but in motion, it looked alright. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like obviously they they put a ton of work into making this the. Movie look the way it does, yeah. and a lot of thought into it. Um, I, and I think I'll see it just at least just for that. Yeah, we're. I yeah. mean, you know. we're gonna see. Oh, absolutely. Um, I want. I want to do is we can do a quick rundown of the trailer, and that like the first section is Bowser plopping his castle in front of this penguin kingdom. Uh, to yeah, get the a, a power the, star. Certainly, like Bowser is the star of. No pun intended, the star of this uh, trailer. He's in the majority of it. Yeah, yeah, they definitely feel more confident about Jack Black's performance than they do Chris Pratt's. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I do too. Right. <laughs> uh, Seth less so, but it's fine. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not my favorite. It sounds a bit too much just like Jack Black doing his voice rather than doing a voice. I just wanted to sound deeper, you know. I I want, it, I, I want it to sound like the Bowser grunts that you find in the games. I get that, oh. and I think that yeah, I think that there is, I think that there is a little bit where he sounds more Jack Blackie. But the problem is, you know why I think you feel that way, and it, it's why? it's it's because there's the one or two small moments where they make Bowser do a Jack Black face, and so. <laughs> It's maybe rewatch that trailer <laughs> and the, the, the physical motion that Bowser does is just something that Jack Black does with his face in his movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they, I wonder if they did any mocap and I actually want, you, like got, got the expressions and stuff. You know, I they surprised. almost have to, if they did that because it looks like he just does a, he does the, the whole both eyebrows in and up at the yeah. same time that Jack Black does when he does like his little riffs and stuff. And it's like, Oh no, that is a definitive Jack Black face. Um, and that, that's fine. Cause I love, I want to note huge, yeah, he's great. huge Jack Black fan, like What's Nacho not Libre, uh, you know, Nacho Libre, um, school of rock, all that stuff. Um, he's fantastic. Um, and then, uh, so Bowser, uh, Possibly kills all those penguins uh, and then <laughs> gets a power star. And so that's obviously the plot of the movie is that Bowser is trying to get power or getting power stars. And um, 
Uh, Mario is, huh? Do we really? I want to note how astounding it is that the Washington Post got on their main feed that the Mario Bros movie is an isekai. (laughs) (laughs) So, as a headline on the Washington Post, Gene Park, who is battling cancer and still being a gaming journalist, got to write the headline that the new Super Mario Bros. movie is an isekai. Uh, That's funny. I don't know if it's accurate, but it is funny. I mean, so they definitely lead you to believe that in this trailer. Right. Um, like, he he comes, he shows up in the Mushroom Kingdom, and he clearly has no idea what that whoa, world is. But, yeah. but then, What's this? But then, like, by the end of it, he's pretty confidently following Toad as if he knows where he is and where he's going. Yeah, so we'll I don't know. Uh, I'm hopeful that the, the plot of this movie is exactly the same as the old uh, live-action movie was. Um, I feel like that would be amazing, but I doubt it will be. Yeah, I I prefer it. Um, I think that Keegan-Michael Key sounds really interesting as toad and they definitely did shifting to his voice which yes. is fun yeah um but it's neat and the three seconds we got to hear charlie day yell i'm pretty sure that he's just going to be charlie day and <laughs> i'm okay I, I, which i think is fine i think that works very well with being luigi yeah especially if he too. puts on just a kind of scared bumbling italian accent yeah or not just scared bumbling Charlie um, Day still works. I, I guess still my <laughs> my curiosity lies in that Chris Pratt went out of his way to make a video that they were working really hard on this voice. Yeah. And I wonder what the voice was that they worked hard on because that's not what we heard here. Well, look, he said that it was nothing like you'd ever heard in the Mario world. And he's right because it's there so is true. no Chris Pratt in Mario. You're and it's right. just his voice. Uh, there is a bit at one point of like a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Um, so that's like the not, first not thing. Not enough. I... Right. Not enough for you to actually know what his voice is going to sound like. But then it just but, slips into Chris Pratt voice. Right. And so it they definitely were being guarded with the voice because I know it's they, they probably know it's the thing that's going to get the most criticism. But also... I don't know. I wish they had just put more out there, but I get being yeah. more confident in the Bowser stuff. So it's also frustrating because if you um, – someone did a supercut of all of the Mario parts from the different languages of the trailers. Mm. And in every market but America, it is attempting to be Mario and sounding fun and punchy. Mm. And then you get to America and it's like – all right, let's go or whatever whatever he says. And yep. it's like, oh my god, no, why why in America do we get the not fun Mario? Because right. why couldn't they get a voice actor rather than an actor? So that's what it? I was about to get at because I bet the other countries when they're doing their dubbing for this, they're just getting proper voice actors. Right. So I get that, but like Keegan like even the small part of Toad that we heard sounded fine yeah. and good. Bowser sounds fine and good, even though he sounds slightly like Jack Black. Why do we get this unenthusiastic and bored Mario? Um, and it's it's fine. Maybe maybe this was like a small test, and they're just yeah, gonna like I like just I gonna said, rework there, it from here. There isn't enough in there to actually know what the voice is going to sound like. 
Yeah. Um, and so, for whatever reason, they decided to do that. I don't know. Uh, but I think we have to... It, it's... I don't think that they, at, at whatever point they're at, they would go back and, and re, redo everything if based on bad feedback to this. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, hey, well, it happened with Sonic. Right. But that was kind of unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now there's a precedent for it. That's true. Um, yeah, giving gamers what they want, <laughs> The one of the times that they really complained, and then it ended up being better, maybe isn't good for the industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it really makes them feel entitled that they do know what they're talking about. And let me tell you, as someone that is a... Uh, I will not say I'm a gamer, but a person. Capital G gamer, baby. I know that I am wrong a lot of the time and no one should listen to me, (laughs) but I try my best. Um, And that's called self-awareness and growth. Um, So it's, I mean, uh, this movie is going to make a good jillion dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It looks beautiful. It's going to be fun. Um, there's just going to be one stain on it, most likely. And you know what? I and I really <laughs> like Anya Taylor Joy. She could also suck at this. Yeah, yeah. Like it, uh, she could be a terrible peach. She's going to have to ham it the heck up. I uh, am so excited to see what how they plot device in Seth Rogen <laughs> and Cranky Kong and Donkey mm-hmm. Kong. Um, like what sort of movie this ends up becoming? And you know what? Props to um, props to the movie where, you know, we didn't get the like um, Mario jumping around sounding normal. And then, you know, like Wreck-It Ralph when, you know, the, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, good time to end my shift or something. Like, thank God <laughs> that's not the plot to this movie. Yeah. Um, seemingly. I wonder uh, if... <laughs> You know, I I wonder if part. No, never mind. No, <laughs> I was no, no. Just thinking about how go with if, it. If any of the if any of it will be Chris Pratt as a plumber in New York before he comes into the video game world, <laughs> a plumber <sighs> named Mario. So that's the wonder. Is it <laughs> like did they pick Chris Pratt because he is going to visually be in the in the in the movie at at all? Yeah, that would at least make it make sense. I don't know. I think I'm going to be real yeah, we'll, frustrated if that's the we'll case. We'll find out in April. Yeah. yeah. So it'll it'll go by in a flash. Don't worry. We'll see this movie, and maybe I'm, the. I'm por- also I'm very excited to see the ways in which they orchestrate uh, the classic Mario music. Yeah, because yeah, um, how it, how it'll uh, fit in the movie. I don't remember who the composer for this is. Memory yeah, is but, failing. But, but I, they are working with Giacchino? Koji Kondo. Yeah. Oh, Michael Giacchino? Yeah, I think it's him, but I'm, I could be oh. wrong. If it is him, I'm going to I'm gonna be so happy. Yeah. He's yeah. like one of my favorite film composers. I've been, I've been a big fan of his since Cloverfield, so... I- if it is him, uh, I I just know that whoever the composer on the movie is, they are working closely with Koji Kondo apparently. So yeah. I think the soundtrack is going to be banging. Yeah, I want to make a quick note about the pre-trailer videos that both Chris Pratt and Jack Black did. Uh, <laughs> Chris Pratt's felt very 
weird, <laughs> weird and weird. stilted and fake um, and made up. But then Jack Black comes in and he's all and it's like he's recording a, a wrestling promo and he's the heel and he's going, you suck. I'm the big man here. <laughs> and it's and it really lightened my mood going into the trailer. And I I think it was a strategic move on Nintendo and Illumination's part during the show. So it is not Michael Giacchino. It is, in fact, Brian Tyler who has seemingly been the composer for all of the Fast and the Furious movies. So, you know, perfect. whatever that means. Rad. Also, he did he did the 2017's Power Rangers. Ooh, Still need to see that. That movie's really good. <laughs> I love that movie, actually. Um, and it has decent music in it. Uh, really, it's just that means we're going to get Pitbull in this. So, <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. And I, you uh, know. Pitbull, really? Not Pitbull, Pit, uh, what do we got? Pit. Oh, uh, what's the, what's the, like Pitbull at Bill? No, no, what's the, the, what's the dog in Yoshi's Island? Chompy? Chomp- no, no, Pit- his, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't really call that. I wish I could tell you. His, his name is, he's got a very Yoshi, Yoshi's dog. What am I, what am I Googling? <laughs> Poochie. Poochie. There you Poochie. go. He'll be Poochie. Yeah, the the rapper Poochie. Um really, I mean, one of the best parts about uh Aquaman was Pitbull's rendition of <laughs> Africa. And so Oh Lord. For Mario, it's gotta be something. <laughs> There's got to be a song that Pitbull can do for Mario that'll make it relevant. And we'll see. Uh, and I'm sure it'll happen. Um, what's the chances of us getting a Borderlands trailer before this movie comes out? <laughs> that's my, because that's my, like, we've got a trailer for Last of Us. We've got Mario coming out. That has a trailer now. And we still have no Borderlands. Um, it's got to happen eventually. We've got John Carpenter talking out there about wanting to do a Dead Space movie. Yeah. Which is amazing. I would watch that all day. Um, but, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about some other news real quick. Um, that was really the main thing that <laughs> happened this week. Uh, um, also... Need for Speed Unbound was announced, and it looks like old Need for Speed Underground with anime effects. It looks so cool. Seth, if you have not seen the trailer for this game, it I have not. It is very much an anime street racing game. That's what they've decided mm. to go for with yeah. this. And like there's even smart. there's even anime effects when you bump into other cars and stuff. Um it's really good. And all the characters are cell shaded in the storyline. Um, you should you should peep it. It's uh, I'm really excited. I will buy this game because it's going to be open world and everything like the Need for Speed Underworld Underground, the Need for Speed Carbon and stuff like that, um, which those games were extremely my jam. Um, <clears throat> but Need for Speed Unbound, everyone should go check out the trailers. Um, it really does seem like they got something right there. Um, and I, I'm genuinely Genuinely very excited. 
um, because I I love street racing games when they're not like when they're arcadey, yeah, like that. Especially if I can customize the crap out of the cars, um, because that's the one thing I love about Fast and Furious is the insane designs on cars and everything. Um, so yeah, I really am excited for that. Uh, I. <laughs> I I don't I feel like I genuinely get excited about a lot of stuff on this show, but like this one, <laughs> this one I promise, is kind of like yeah, like I when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh man, like yeah. this is like maybe they did it. Um, so we'll see. I hope so. I really do. Um, how do we feel about Horizon Zero Dawn possibly getting a remaster or remake? <sighs> And how long until the I, God I, of I'm War just, one is announced? I'm going to copy and paste my argument from The Last of Us Part 1 over to this. I don't think it's necessary to do full-on remakes of games that are less than a decade old unless if a huge leap in technology has happened like with the PS1 to PS2 transition. Or Nintendo 64 to GameCube, I guess. Just that era, you know? Mm-hmm. It would be yeah. one thing if the games were not playable already on PS5, but... Yeah. Also With that. the 4K60 upgrade. Also that. It's, it's just... It's, it's a bit... Uh, it's a bit much Sony. It's just to get money before the show comes out. I or saw, when the show comes out. I saw a... Like an opinion article earlier today um, that I actually agreed with. It was that Sony's actual next remake project or idea should be for infamous and you know all the other franchises that they have just let sit in the water for the last decade with nothing really going on with them but it won't be it won't it won't we'll get another we'll get last was part two before we get that yeah remake or whatever i i would not be opposed to like an actual God of War remake because that first trilogy of games they're good but like they I'm not talking about those games I know I know but I'm saying <laughs> like like if that happened though I think that would be cool Yeah I do too but that's not what's going to happen too old. It's too old It's too old Nobody too knows old. nobody playing video games these days knows about God of War 1 <sighs> That hurts They only know me. about God of War <laughs> Oh, God. Of God war. war. Of yeah. war. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, yeah. Sony really does... Pointless and infuriating things? They do be doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. Yep. They're saving me money. Yeah. Because I, I won't buy it. <laughs> yeah. I don't see the point. Um... I mean, the only other Sony game I'm buying this year is God of War. And then probably nothing for a long time. I'm waiting for whenever uh, Sucker Punch's next two games come out. I mean, Sucker Punch's next game is going to be Ghost of Tsushima 2. I thought they were doing... Oh, I'm thinking of Insomniac, sorry. Yeah, you're thinking of Insomniac. Never mind. Yeah. Spider-Man. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> nope. No, <laughs> we let the shame stay. Um, uh, yeah. 
And you know what? They did it right with Spider-Man because Spider-Man was packaged in with Miles Morales Collector's Edition. They did that. That's how I got it. Yeah. So whatever, man. Although they also had it also had that new face, so did they do right? Oh no. You're right, they did do the new face. Mm. Mm. They almost did right. They almost did. They were so close. They were so close to to doing right. All the PC modders for putting the regular face back in. Yeah. Doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Um, all right. There was a Nintendo Direct <laughs> that happened the same day my child was born. Yep. Uh, Your nearly, child, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Actually, nearly hour, like an hour before uh, he came into this earth, came onto this earth. Uh, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was watching it in the uh, waiting room. You were. I watched. I watched the replay of it with you. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, Fire Emblem Engage. I, I only took two notes for this. There was a lot of stuff in it, but there's two main things. Um, but Fire Emblem yeah. Engage looks cool. Yeah. It's a Fire Emblem game with summons. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was this is what they let off with. Uh, there's a weird red and blue haired protagonist and you appeared to the... As the rumor said, the, the key mechanic appears to be that you can summon heroes from previous Fire Emblem games. Heck which yeah. Which is cool. Very cool. I was very very excited that they showed off uh, my boy Sigurd from Fire Emblem 4. Who know? I don't know what else is going to be in there, but I'm very intrigued by this game. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Uh, I really yeah. like the, the main protagonist vibe. So, really, um, I'm a sucker for the. I really do it's, like the like red and blue hair. I yeah. don't know what it is. It uh, just it's, it's weird looking. Yeah, but I love it. I I don't know what it is, but I do love it. It also appears to be some sort of direct sequel to Awakening. Uh, yeah, just based on uh what the the enemies are. Yeah, I I also kind of got that vibe. Um. Which is and, cool. Awakening was great. Yeah, I agree. I love that game. I remember that game being sold out at my GameStop for forever mm. because Nintendo didn't expect Awakening to sell as well as it did. Uh, that's fair. Fire um, Emblem was not a lucrative franchise for them yep. in the West. And um, somehow Awakening... Until hit. then. Yep. Yep. Now it's that, a cash cow. That game and Pokemon Conquest were both like <sighs> D- 3DS games. Man. So good. Or DS games that became highly sought after and hard to get. Um, <laughs> hey guys, I just got an email from PlayStation saying I have an exclusive invitation to purchase a PS5. Oh, Ooh. nice. Yeah. Um, and then we also got uh, the name for the Legend of Zelda sequel The uh, Legend of Zelda <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. And now I see maybe why the direct was not streamed in the UK. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, forgot about that little thing. <laughs> yeah, the little thing of the queen dying. Yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah. I mean, I don't Nintendo care. quickly being um, like, "We're not streaming this." There, you'll see it after. <laughs> you'll yeah. see it posted later. Um, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, who knows yes. what it's going to be? <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Looks yep. looks don't, nice. Don't know a whole lot. Yeah. Looks cool. Looks nice, and it's definitely going to be a Zelda game. Yeah. And you have a glowing arm. I'm a sucker for glowing arms. I love a glowing arm. Oh my gosh. It's great. You ever seen Nero <laughs> from Devil Cry? Oh my gosh. <laughs> have you ever seen uh, the the <laughs> I forget his name from G Gundam, where his, his oh. hand glows with an awesome power. Oh. Yes, but that's just his a uh, that's just his uh, hand. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's, I mean, it starts at the hand. It says, yeah, it becomes it a full it arm. It glows. Yep, and with an with, awesome power. Exactly. You know, every time I use my glowing hand in that game, I'm going to yell that. <laughs> I'm going to use it. That's going to be great. Um, and, and also, who can for the other big announcement? At least. Title wise, various day life. <laughs> okay, you know there's a lot of farming stuff in there that yeah, I was able a lot to of just farming tune and life sim stuff. Yeah, but the, have you ever heard of a game name as good as Various Day Life? Triangle Strategy. <laughs> that's that's up there. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Octopath is, yes. Traveler Two. Mm. Yeah, there is going to be a sequel. Bravely to second. Dude, don't get me started on Bravely Second. Why is Square Enix so bad at naming games? I've got no know. clue. Lately, it's 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 the non Nomura and Yoshi P side of the company that's just bad at making names. Yeah, but even I don't think you can say non Nomura because have you seen the titles of some of these Kingdom Hearts games? Yeah, I'll give you that one. I, mean, I think they're all good. It's definitely it's bad in a different way, but no one can say that it's good, David. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love three five eight days over two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone it's pronounces great, it differently, but it's horrible. <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? Kingdom Hearts recoded is <laughs> astounding. Um, See, recoded works. Rechain of memories does. Not. <laughs> it was the precursor to Final Fantasy VII Remake. So when you, oh, you're right. <laughs> Reunion. Where do you think Nomura was beta testing all of his ideas? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is the blueprint. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts was uh, the early access version of this Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake universe. Uh, oh, that's why I'm here for it. I was, you know what? All these Final Fantasy VII fans are merely adopting the darkness. <laughs> I was, I was, I was born. Yeah, and molded wait, by that's it. that can't be true because I believe Kingdom Hearts is light. <laughs> that's right. You're right. You're right. Um, I didn't see Kingdom Hearts being light till I was a man. And if if you didn't think you were listening to Suplex the Sticks, uh, we've now started. Yep, we figured off a way the rails to, about the and with Kingdom Hearts quotes. It all comes Kingdom back Hearts. somehow. Um, all roads it lead all rhymes. to darkness. It all rhymes. Oh, um, you're right. It's like Star Wars. It rhymes. Yes. Yeah, uh, yes. it's like poetry. Yeah, like Star Wars. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It I rhymes. would love to talk to someone that really successfully got to play Overwatch 2. Uh, I got to play two <laughs> matches after it opened, and then I just haven't been able to. Uh, yeah. It's been a trash fire. Um, but it's over, more Overwatch. So there you go. It's Overwatch. It's uh, over. It's free to play. Watch. Um, yeah. But that's that's about the news I cared about. Um, 
and that seemed big. Uh, was there anything I missed or that you feel like we should cover? I just want to let I it mean, be in the past month? <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> Highly yeah, probably. Recently. Recently. Um, I just want to do a quick note from that direct last month. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland is getting. That is, yeah, that yeah. was a big I did, thing. I, I, was, I was excited for that too. Yeah. Um, uh, that was that and Fire Emblem were the things I were the most excited about from the direct. Um, more Resident Evil games being put onto the Switch with cloud versions, and I don't think that's a great idea. It's the future, though. It's for the, a lot of stuff. Yeah, if you have good internet, and even then, good luck. Cause yeah, Nintendo's infrastructure is not. Well, those games aren't Nintendo's infrastructure. Oh, that's fair. They are well Capcom's infrastructure with Nintendo's Wi-Fi antenna attaching the, to your... Yes. But it, it should be fine, in my opinion. I just think if you're going to play a Resident Evil 2 remake, you should do it on a more powerful console that can give you the really gooey bits. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, but nice you got gooey. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that anyone is saying that that is the definitive way to play these games. No. So, but if it's someone's I'd only, I'd like to meet that person. If it's someone's only uh, option for it, right? Then I'm glad they get to play it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anything else? Safe. Yes. Okay. Pour one out. Uh, Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier. Yep, is, uh, got that news today. Ooh, turning off, turning off its servers. It in January, in January. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Pour one out for Stadia. <laughs> we got some deaths. I'm gonna pour one out right that. into my mouth for Stadia. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Really, I understand it's easy to laugh at Stadia, but Google is refunding everyone, like yes. everything. I do respect yeah, that's that. Good. That good is them. hardcore because there was a lot of money <laughs> that people did spend. I met so my and I'm not outing their name or anything, but my boss at my current job, um, his internet at home must be great because he was fully bought in on Stadia. He had it on all of his TVs. He had controllers in every room of his house. Uh, he bought. Jeez. Yeah, he had to buy a PS5 because they weren't releasing Madden on Stadia this year. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to play the new Madden. Oh so he gosh. went out and bought a PS5. That is uh, there's so, he, much about, so much about that sentence I found offensive. But, <laughs> you know, but he, but continue. He, you know, he's he's uh, he was bought into it. He was bought into the idea of the cloud and. I mean, I listen, I think that it is a great idea and a great promise and one that yeah. isn't fully the, achievable. The yet. technology is not there yet. Right. Um, but, you know, they it worked for him. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so but now now he's got a yeah. console. But but more importantly, Final Fantasy First Soldier said. Yeah. He's, he he's going to get a good, good chunk of money back. Yeah, I bet. So, also, Persona Five is getting a card game. Excited for that. Yep. 
Don't know what it'll be. But uh, yeah. We love to see a card we game. Love a, we love a card game. Um, especially when it's its own card game. Because Persona 5 has been adapted into the TCG War Weiss shorts. But um, buying those cards is impossible because they're so expensive. Um, it's a weird trading card game where they they mash up franchises. But Persona 5 had a set forever ago. Um I think the starter decks are like $200 for it. Mm, that's uh, fun. The, yeah. Um, but yeah, Persona 5 co-op trading card, or not trading card game, but card game. Um, so, all right. With that, we appreciate you listening uh, and appreciate you listening to our silliness. And uh, join our Discord to talk to us. Because if you've been wondering where we're at... Um, We've still been you know, there. We've still been in the Discord talking to everyone, and frequently, frequently. Um, and the 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 link is always in the show notes below. Um, it's yeah, it's always in the show notes below. And if it doesn't work, then please tell me, and I will send you an invite. Um, so send it. Send an email to suplexthesticks at gmail dot com, uh, which is also in the show notes. If you you can't get in. Um, And with that, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. See you.